Turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 5. Man, we got all kinds of stuff going on today. This music stint, my Bible keeps going to the floor. Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to begin today in verse 17. Verse 17. <clears throat> it was important for the Jews to understand Jesus' relationship to the law and the prophets. The term law and prophets is a summation of all of the Old Testament. And Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Now there are two basic things here. Verses 17 and 18, he says that everything he is going to teach is in absolute harmony with the entire teaching of the Old Testament. Jesus does not teach anything that contradicts the law and the prophets. And then, number two, while his teaching is in perfect harmony with the Old Testament, it contradicts the teaching of the Pharisees. All right? So we're going to read it and look at it. But this is why the Pharisees and scribes were so antagonistic toward Jesus. Jesus deliberately criticized their teaching. He over and over again attacked it, revealed it, uh, taught against it. And these people were leaders and religious leaders, and everyone listened to what they said. Please hold that in your mind. Everyone listened to what the Pharisees were saying. They were the big cheese, the big dogs. They were the ones that people felt like they needed to please. So questions then arose about whether Jesus knew what he was talking about. And so he begins here uh, in verse 17. Look what he says. He says, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law. That would be like an apostrophe. Shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, and this is where we're headed, and it's going to take us till the end of next week to get there at least, okay? I say to you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus begins this section with, I came not to destroy, but to fulfill the law and the prophets. Now think about the word fulfill with me for just a minute. The word fulfill doesn't mean to add something to something that's already taking place. The real meaning means to carry it out, to give full obedience, to walk out everything that had been said in the law and the prophets. Jesus didn't come to change anything that God had said. All the Old Testament, all of the Old Testament pointed to Jesus 
Everything about the Old Testament, remember we've called it a blueprint. Everything there pointed to Jesus, and it all culminates in Christ. He fully obeyed it, and when he came, he walked out the Old Testament. He was the Old Testament in life, okay? So he was an example of the interpretation of the Old Testament. So just kind of get this in your mind. We've got the Old Testament that was God's plan, God's blueprint. And then Jesus came to accomplish or fulfill the Old Testament. And then the Holy Spirit came to perpetuate in us everything that Jesus did. So you've got the Old Testament then you've got Jesus fulfilling the Old Testament, and then he sends the Holy Spirit so that you and I continue to fulfill it. Exactly. It's, it's like having a blueprint, and you're going to build a house. And you've got that blueprint, and once you've got the house built, the house is a revelation of what was in the blueprint. But you don't need the blueprint anymore. Okay? So, what is the whole picture here? First, the Lord began with the Beatitudes. Now, he begins this Sermon on the Mount, first sermon out of his mouth recorded in Scripture in the very first gospel. So he begins with the Beatitudes, and they are a portrait of the essential character of the Christian. And then he tells us the function and the purpose of Christians in the world. What is it? You are salt and you are light so he says this is who you are in character now you go into the world and you be salt and light and then he says verse 20 and he says unless your righteousness surpasses that of the right the scribes and pharisees you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven now the key word here and all through the bible is the word righteousness it's the word righteousness. Righteousness is probably the one word that summarizes Christians, that summarizes Christian living. So the theme of the rest of Jesus' sermon is righteousness in Christian living. The theme of the rest of the New Testament is righteousness in Christian living. But he says not the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. So there's something different about these two things that they're calling righteous. So how is it different? What was wrong with the scribes and Pharisees? So through this passage, we're going to see a pattern that Jesus uses, and you're going to see him say, you have heard that it was said by them of old, but I say unto you, over and over, you have heard that it was said by them of old, but I say to you, and so Jesus sets himself up as the authority, which he is because guess what? He wrote the Old Testament. He fulfilled the Old Testament. He is God. And so he is not saying, he is not saying the Old Testament said, but I say to you. Because he says he fulfilled the Old Testament. He is saying, I'm giving you the true and accurate interpretation of the Old Testament. And all the stuff that all of these other people have been saying is not true, and that is righteousness. With that kind of righteousness, you cannot enter heaven. You with me? So he's not saying the Old Testament says one thing, but I'm saying another. 
He's saying those people are saying things that the Old Testament says that are not true. And I'm going to tell you what is the truth about the interpretation of the Old Testament. So he goes on then to give some examples. And there's six, I think, of how the righteousness of Christians is to exceed the righteousness of scribes and Pharisees. Um, The illustrations that Jesus is going to do, he talks about murder and um, adultery and divorce and vows and revenge and relationships. He, He mentions all of those things as illustration of the true righteousness of God. Because what's happened is the the Pharisees have so diminished God's righteousness to make it comfortable and convenient for them that they don't really know anymore, the people that he's talking to don't really know anymore about what God says. You know, what does God say about that? So before we walk through these illustrations, we're going to take a side trip, okay? So this is important, and we may not get done with this today, but that's okay, isn't it? I want to take a side trip and talk about the Pharisees. Who were they? How did they get to be Pharisees? How many of you, we've heard of Pharisees, scribes and Pharisees all of our lives, haven't we? Those of us who grew up in church, scribes and Pharisees, scribes and Pharisees. If somebody came to you and said, okay, who was that, and how did they get to be with that? Could you answer that question? And I couldn't, so I've had to do some digging, okay? And it's fascinating, but this will be a very, very short summary. But who were they? How did they get to be Pharisees and scribes? What did they believe and what did they teach? Why is Jesus pointing his finger at them? And why does he say, if that's the kind of righteousness you have, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, we know that Jesus frequently confronted them and we know that they tried repeatedly to corner Jesus with all these trick questions hoping to embarrass him hoping to catch him and uh, they wanted to try to make him say something wrong and so what were the foundational issues here how did they affect the people around them now again get it in your mind how influential how influential these people were you know, you know what it is to be in a group and feel like that you're supposed to please the group, right? We know what that kind of peer pressure is. And so you transfer that thought into who the Pharisees were and what they were doing. In the time of Christ, there were, they were one of many sects, S-E-C-T-S, or factions in Judaism. I guess the best illustration I can think of is that we have a world full of people who call themselves Christians in tons of denominations some of them christian some not but they want to put their banner under the name christian but then you've got all of these different groups who say well you know i want to immerse we don't want to immerse we don't think that's necessary or we you know you don't need to wear pants to church so we want to be a group that just wears skirts to church. so you, you get all of these little divisions well that's what the pharisees were they were kind of a a faction or um, a denomination but uh, they were a small group of people they were a small group of Jews and they separated from the larger group of Jews because they wanted to promote their own beliefs well they were the most influential of all of the sects or denominations in Israel and they influenced the life and the thinking of everybody there 
Now, <clears throat> I was reminded last night, we don't talk about this much, about some of you have heard of a worldview. You, you're seeing that word maybe more and more, and you think, what is, what is a worldview? What is your worldview? Well, a worldview um, is... I thought I heard my phone ding, excuse me. Uh, a worldview, there are really two of them in the world. Um, there are two of them in the world, and one is the worldview, is a mindset that says, I'm going to let the culture or the society tell me how to think, how to live, how to behave. That's, the wor that's one worldview. The other worldview is a biblical worldview where I decide that I'm going to let God's word dictate how I think, what I believe, and how I behave. So both of those worldviews are very much active in our world today. And we have to make a choice. Which one am I going to obey? Am I going to bow to the secular worldview? Or am I going to bow to the biblical worldview? Which one of those views affects your mind, affects your thinking? Well, these people are giving... All of this information according to their own world view, which is not in accordance with God's view. Not in accordance with the information, the holiness, the righteousness that he had given in the Old Testament that Jesus is walking out in their very presence. And so they're influencing everybody and they're propagating all of these subtle and dangerous errors uh, and instead of directly violating the scriptures, they distorted them. So how did they get started? How did this get started? Well, in very short summary, Israel wandered so far from God for so long that he finally, after giving them many warnings, sent them into Babylonian captivity. They were captives in Babylon for 70 years, and they were there because of their sins of idolatry and rebellion against God. Well, after that period of time, there was a remnant of people who returned to the homeland, and they had learned a lesson. Did your mama ever do anything to you that made you learn a lesson, and you thought, I ain't doing that again? Well, some Jews came out of the Babylonian captivity with that thought. I've learned my lesson. I'm not going to do that again. And so then they began to be very determined. But what they started to do was to add extra rules to what God had said. So by adding extra rules to the commands, then they made them stricter thinking. They made them harder uh, they thought stricter would be better, and they thought that would keep them safe from sinning. It'd be kind of like um, if I get in trouble for eating a hamburger, and my punishment is bad enough that it makes me never want another hamburger in my life, but I conclude I will never eat ground beef again. So I expand what is there. So the rules and the doctrines of men became higher and more important to them than God. It became more important to them than what God had said. And so they received more attention than God's laws because then they began to put pressure on one another to act that way, to think that way, to perform that way. So 
all the Jews in the first century Palestine were not Pharisees. And so that's why you've got these sects out there. One of the illustrations of this, if you think of modern construction workers, if we've got a hole in the road out here, and what you don't want to do is past the edge of that hole. So instead of leaving the hole there to keep people from falling in, uh, imagine that the edge of that hole is God's law. What are we going to do? We're going to put barriers out here so you don't come close to the hole. But then you got some more people that come along and they think, well, we can do better than that. And they put more barriers out here. So then they begin to add all of their own rules that doesn't say don't fall in this hole. They say, don't you go beyond any of these, beyond any of these barriers. So stepping off the edge of the hole would be sin. But by staying a distance away from the hole, <clears throat> it'd just be like extra precautions. So these were well-intentioned Jews. They were well-intentioned Jews, but they were adding to the rules God had given what they really think. They really thought they could do it better than God could do it, and they could fix it. And they were going to fix it by adding those rules. Now, first it might look kind of like a good idea, but they didn't stop there. Because they began moving the barriers farther and farther and putting out more and more pressure. And they passed this thinking down through the generations so that they wind up thinking and requiring things of all of the people around them that God never said that were not a part of God's plan. And so in the time of Christ, they came to be, their rules came to be equated with faithfulness and obedience. It was not don't step over the edge and fall in this hole. It was don't you dare cross this boundary that I've put way off out here. And so they're putting all of this extra performance mindset on these people. So then many of the rabbis and leaders begin to think that it was their solemn duty to make the rules. So then it became an issue of obeying the rabbis and the leaders instead of God. Because their rules became more important than the rules God had given. And so then they begin raising those rules and doctrines of men, traditions of men, above those given by God and they received more attention so error number one for the Pharisees was adding to God's commands that was error number one now these people did not respect or appreciate the Pharisees the people in Jerusalem the reg the Jews because you've got lots of Jews you've got these this group of Pharisees, one of the denominations, but there were other groups, and one was called the scribes. So Jesus here is talking about the scribes and the Pharisees. And so the scribes were scholars who spent most of their time copying the scrolls that contained the scriptures. Now, of course, they were hand copying them, so they had lots of time to think about it while they were copying. You just think a good way to study the Bible is to sit down and copy it. Just pick you a book out and get you a pen and paper and start copying. And your mind will begin to absorb that. And so 
these scribes were considered to be experts and they became consultants consultants on questions about interpretation and application because everybody trusted them because they knew how much time they were spending they were copying so they were going to know what it said so the easiest thing to do is just go ask them what it said well Jesus put them together in this group with the Pharisees so Jesus talks about the scribes and Pharisees because they've all got an opinion and they're all living according to their opinion instead of living according to what God says so um while we're here for just a second, the, another group we've heard of all of our lives is the Sadducees. We've got Pharisees, scribes, and Sadducees. The Sadducees were what we would call the theological liberals of Jerusalem, of, Ju- of Judaism. I can't even talk today. And so they scorned the Pharisees for adding so much to God's law. Well, that was a pretty good thing, but... They did not believe in angels. They did not believe in heaven. And they did not believe in the resurrection. So who were they to be telling them what to do? A pastor that we had long, 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 long time ago. Most of y'all will remember Bill Clinton. He used to say, they didn't believe in heaven or angels, so they were sad, you see. So that was kind of a good way to remember it. And then you've got these other groups. You've got the Hellenists. You've got the Zealots. You've got the Herodians. You've got the Essenes. So you've got all of these little groups of Jews that have got their opinions. But the Pharisees were the ones who had the influence, the most influence. They were the largest sect, and they were the ones that Jesus confronted and rebuked the most often. They stood out in a crowd because they wore these special garments. Uh, And they frequently made a big show of their ritual prayers in public at various times throughout the day. They wanted people to see them and see their religion. And they wore these robes and they wore what they called a phylactery, which was a tiny copy of God's laws on their foreheads. And a lot of people, when they would walk down the street, would step aside for a Pharisee. That was the kind of influence that they had. They believed that common people should not study the scriptures. They believed that they themselves needed to interpret scripture for all other people. And so... They thought they were the only ones who could speak with any spiritual authority concerning God and his word. In other words, if you wanted to know God's word, if you wanted to know God, you had to go through them. They resented Jesus, you think? They resented Jesus, and they here's the deal. They believed they were doing God's will. They thought they were doing the right thing. They thought they were doing God a favor when they crucified Jesus. Because they were so set into obeying their own opinions and their own thinking. And so they were really, really insulted with Jesus. And so here comes Jesus claiming to be the Messiah. He says, look, 
I'm fulfilling the Old Testament. You look at me and you will understand the truth of the Old Testament. See, the first thing Jesus is doing there, he is establishing the validity and the authority of the truth of God. And he says, you've taken the truth of God and messed it up. And so the Pharisees thought that Jesus, if he really was a Messiah, should just come along and rubber stamp everything they were saying. So there's major conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees. Pharisees did not allow any independent thinking. If you disagreed with them, you needed to keep your mouth shut. So they were that controlling. And if anybody had any objections or to their teachings, they just needed to keep them private. Uh, I think a good word for them would be the thought police. Now let me tell you something. The world today is full of them. And there's a lot more we're going to talk about about this. Traditions of men was their next thing because what Jesus said that ultimately they started to do was obey the traditions of men instead of going back to the word of God and obeying it. And so... They distorted the biblical teaching of holiness. They reduced holiness from its biblical meaning to mean avoiding contact with their rules, avoiding contact with the wrong food or not washing your dishes right or not wearing the right clothes. So they eliminated God's holiness. And so they missed, they totally missed the biblical emphasis on devotion to God and relationship with him. They missed it. And they were teaching others to think that way. And so that's what Jesus is dealing with here in these verses. So there is even an incident recorded where a Pharisee did not try to save a woman from drowning because he was afraid that he might become spiritually defiled. Stood there and watched the woman drown. Okay? That kind of mindset. Listen to me. That kind of mindset is in this world. And one of the greatest challenges to my heart is I, as I have studied this has been, where is the Pharisee in me? Where do I do that? Do I place more demands on other people than God places on them? Have I put barriers out around the hole instead of God just says, don't fall in this hole? And I say, well, you really don't need to get within 30 feet of the hole, you know. And so they focused on performance. And when they did that, they missed relationship with God. They missed grace. What did Jesus come to show us? Grace. He says, I'm going to give you this righteousness. I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to put the Holy Spirit in you so you will have all of this from me. So they were totally disconnected from what really matters to God. They confused scripture with traditions of men. And we'll have to start right there next week. You have any questions or comments before we close?
Well, the blessing of the Lord be upon you, and I can't wait to finish this with you. So I'll see you next week, and we won't have to worry about time change. Have a great week.